0: Back up high, Hughes, across to Miller. Miller works down low. Back to the line, Hughes. Pedersen a drive, save, stay locked. Rebound, they score. Besser grabs the loose puck and pushes a backhander into the empty net. A power play goal, and Vancouver leads it 1-0. Central Division Hockey, the podcast, and three periods of play plus. I'm Tim Bigelow. This podcast, we review and analyze the Vancouver Canucks 3-1 series play-in win over Minnesota. In addition to this podcast, we will look at the results of the play-in series in separate podcasts, as well as a podcast for the Round Robin teams in the Western Conference. Quickly after Central Division Hockey, the podcast, will fire off previews for the upcoming first-round series in the Western Conference NHL Playoffs, as we have a Central Division team facing off against a Pacific Division team in each of the four series. It's a lot of ground to cover. The draft lottery is tonight, and the three eliminated Central Division teams have a 12.5% chance of landing the first overall pick in this year's draft. Not the 37.5% chance it goes to a team in the Central Division. Minnesota is one of those teams in the running. They may end up with quite a consolation prize for not advancing in the NHL playoffs. This podcast was completed the day of the lottery, but has been recorded prior to the lottery taking place later today. I expected this play in series to be one of the more contested ones in the Western Conference, and it definitely lived up to the billing. Unfortunately for Wild fans, the Canucks found a way to advance. Let's look at what made the difference. I took the Wild in my preview of the series, but it was one of the predictions I ended up being wrong on. It started well, and Alex Stalock shut out and a 3-0 Minnesota win in Game 1. Vancouver took Game 2 by a 4-3 score in spite of a two-goal performance from Kevin Piella of the Wild. The game winner ended up being the lone power play goal scored in the game. Vancouver's Jacob Markstrom turned in a shutout of his own in Game 3 for an identical 3 nothing win, except that the Canucks returned the favor. And finally, Game 4 needed overtime, played on back-to-back nights, no less, a 5-4 Vancouver win. It was a short OT as a seeing-eye point shot 11 seconds in ended the wild season. Looking back at the preview, what were the keys to winning? And did those end up being the reasons Vancouver won? I identified that each team's big-time goal scorers needed to show up, highlighted Fiella and Zuccarello, as two for Minnesota, Pedersen and Besser for Vancouver. Both teams have top six guys who can produce. In the end, Vancouver got a bit more out of its elite stars offensively. The goaltending matchup was identified as a second key, and both bullies had a shutout each. However, Jacob Markstrup's numbers improved from his regular season stats, while Alex Stalock had a drop in his, by comparison. Vancouver came out ahead again. The third point was different for each team. For the Wild, it was limiting the league's fourth-best regular season power play in Vancouver. They didn't accomplish this overall. Both teams played an extremely undisciplined series, but that benefited the Canucks more than the Wild. And for Vancouver, it was bottom-six production i felt minnesota would get production from their balanced lineup, and they contributed but vancouver also managed to balance this as well although man do i need line cards to watch the canucks looking at the minutes played and that vancouver used fifteen forwards over the series because of three injuries similar only to winnipeg and Unsimilarly to Winnipeg, they still found a way to win. It's like Tyler Mott played four games, and I remember him, but who he was playing with is a blur to me now, and that's Tyler Mott, not to be confused with Tyler Toffoli, who was injured in Game 1, nor Knuck's defenseman, Tyler Myers. Let's get into the details on the keys. Kevin Fiella was, as advertised, scoring three goals. Luccarella didn't find a score key. Luke Cunnan had a pair of goals, and Eric Stahl had one for the Wild. Vassar scored two for Vancouver, and Elias Pettersson only had one, but Bo Horvath had two, and J.T. Miller scored as well. So it was there, and is rather comparable. You wouldn't hang the series over one team's top six outdueling the other in the final analysis. I mean, Calder nominee and defenseman Quinn Hughes led the Canucks with six points. But also Minnesota's defenseman Jared Spurgeon was tied for second and wild in Wilden points with Fiala, a point behind team leader Eric Stahl. Secondly, the goal matchup went to Vancouver. While Alex Stalick was perfect in game one, the rest of the series, Jacob Markstrom played better. Minnesota outshot Vancouver 121 to 116 in the series. They also scored an empty netter. So, although Stalic had a better goals against average in the regular season and doubled the shutout to Markstrom, they both posted one shutout in the play-in round, and Markstrom's 2.26 goals against average for the series was remarkably better than his 2.76 average in the regular season. Whereas, Stalic dropped to a 3.04 goals against average from a 2.67 2.67 regular season average. That slight difference in the two one-goal games is a determining factor. Now, for the eye test, I would surprise to see those numbers slanted more favorably to Markstrom as Staluk, especially in Game Four, looked more composed throughout the game. Yet we do need to acknowledge Vancouver came away with the win in Game Four and a win in the series. I do believe Alex Daylock gave the Wild the best chance to win a net. There is room for growth, but this was valuable experience for a reliable guy that came in and carried the load in Devin Dudenick's absence and a rough season to get Minnesota into this play-in team. One thing I should also remember to take into account is how more motivated a player, regardless of position, will be but because goaltending position has such a big determinant in playoff hockey of a guy that is playing for a new contract, and that is absolutely the case for Markstrom this postseason. It also makes me think I need to up the motivation factor Robin Leonard has while playing for Vegas. The third point is what sealed the fate for the Wild, unfortunately, the specialty teams, and it wasn't by much. Yet it seems in every category in the series, bounces went the Canucks way in each of the key areas. Game one, Minnesota went two for four in their win on the power play. And that power play was a respectful 10th best in the regular season. They scored one more in the whole series, however. And they did add a shorthanded goal. The games they lost, their power play went one for 18 and Vancouver took more penalties than Minnesota, but Minnesota took too many penalties as well. They ended up 3-for-22 in the series as a whole. The power play dropped from a 21.3 regular season success rate to a 13.6% playoff rate. Meanwhile, Vancouver went 4-for-19, and that had them at a 21% success rate for the series, a slight drop, from the 24.1% rate in the regular season. Finally, the game-winning goal in Game 2, the 4-3 win, was a Vancouver power play goal. Their power play goals came at timely times as well. Vancouver had a pair of goals from Tanner Pearson and one from Brandon Sutter, and I think those were bottom six scoring, at least on the average ice time for those players, That's what I'm basing that on. I should add that in Game 3, Wild coach Dean Evanson put Nico Sturm in and took out Ryan Donato. Not to be confused with Ryan Hartman or Wild defenseman Ryan Suter. Bringing back to that lineup card thing being useful again. point is, Sturm scored the goal in Game 4 that forced overtime while playing in Minnesota's bottom six. There just was a bit more from Vancouver's bottom six. In the end, even in the loss, it's a win for the Wild organization that was needing to jump more than a couple of teams to get into the postseason prior to the stop. GM Bill Gurn picked up picks and assets by moving Jason Zucker near the deadline. He made a coaching change that signified he was going to start making his mark as GM. And before the plan officially, he made Dean Evidson the head coach. The players seemed to play better. They were battling and in the mix at the pause. Kevin Fiala especially has gone next level with Evanston coaching to being a game-changer for the Wild. I did not mention that the loss of minute-leading defenseman Ryan Souter, who was deemed unfit to play game for, and that definitely did put more on Brodeen, Dumba, Spurgeon, and Susie on the Minnesota Wild back in. But then, to put that loss on his absence, then Vancouver could say Tyler Toffoli, Adam Gaudet, and Michael Furland, all forwards, three of them, only played one game and were out because of injuries the rest of the four-game series. So let alone one game, they missed those guys for three games and they found a way to win. I will say, sadly, it has become commonplace that Ryan Suter misses game time, and including postseason play over several recent years. And he is a cornerstone of the Wild's defensive group. Finally, the Wild will add a high first-round draft pick, and at this time, hours before the lottery tonight, potentially the first overall with that 1-8 chance. Sounds better than that 12.5% chance saying 1-8. Keep a lookout for more of Three Periods of Play Plus with the results and analysis of the other series from the play in round and, of course, a podcast dedicated to the round-robin format. This is Central Division Hockey, the podcast. We will next look at Vancouver in our full preview of their upcoming series with the defending Stanley Cup champion and Central Division's St. Louis Blues as they meet in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Prior to that, we will have three Period of Play Plus podcasts with the results from the other series. Next up will be the Nashville-Arizona play-in series as the next edition. Thanks for listening.